Hey, before we get started, a quick listener note. This episode of Until All Are Free features conversations about the sexual exploitation of the body people of Nepal. I want to encourage you to care for your well-being and use discretion when deciding whether to listen in. This is Until All Are Free. I'm your host, Preston Goff. I've said it before, but I'm still learning so much about the issue of human trafficking around the world. Trafficking is so complex and so situationally unique that it seems as if a lifetime of focus on the issue would still leave gaps in my understanding of it. A few months ago, I received an email with a draft of a book. It's called No Longer Untouchable, a story of human trafficking, heroism, and hope. It was written by Sarah Davison Tracy alongside Devisara Hannah Badi, and it chronicles the experiences of the Badi people of Nepal through the lens of four young women who were trafficked to brothels in nearby India. The book gripped me with just absolutely shocking stories of exploitation that were made possible by these deeply ingrained cultural beliefs and practices that continue to see an entire people group treated as less than human. No Longer Untouchable shares horrifying and yet hopeful stories of young women overcoming unimaginable odds to survive the culture of exploitation that imprisoned them. This is heavy, heavy content, but it's also deeply hopeful and inspiring. And I'm excited to share that joining us today on the podcast are both Sarah and Hannah together to share about the reality of trafficking in Nepal and the launch of this book the first English language book about the body people ever written. Well, I'm so grateful to be sitting virtually um, as it is these days in the days of uh, the COVID pandemic, right? It's become so normal to have um, digital conversations and I'm thankful for the gift that it, that, that is because um, I have a across from me and, uh, and halfway across the world, um, both Sarah Davison Tracy and uh, Hannah Badi. Um, Hannah, you're joining us from Nepal, right? Can you tell us a little bit about where you're at and what city? And Sure. Hi, I'm Hannah and I'm from Nepal and now I'm in, I live in Kathmandu, but originally I'm from Surkhet, West Nepal. Yeah, absolutely. And how long have you been in Kathmandu? Uh, it has been already like 15 years I've been in Kathmandu. So. Yeah, absolutely. And then Sarah, I'd love for you to introduce yourself as well and tell me where you're at and how you spend your time these days. Oh, wow. What a great question. So I'm, I'm in my, my home and I have a little cozy home office where I spend most of my days working and connecting with people around the world and writing books and um, just doing this work to try to put up the mic to the, the mouths of people I love to be able to share their stories about what really matters to them about, and about um, what we can really do together to make a difference and to make life better. So that is what has really joined us together in conversation today. I, a few months back, had um, this this great opportunity to have an email land in my inbox. And inside that email was a PDF of 
uh, a book that was soon to be released. Um, it's called No Longer Untouchables, and I just I devoured the content, um, and it was such a humbling experience for me to sit with it and to really try to um, process the events that unfolded in the book, but also to really just let my mind um, and my soul really wander um, and take up space with these stories. Um, so I, I want to hear a little bit um, from you about, you know, what does it mean to be body? Tell me about your people. Tell me about the things that you love and the things that um, are challenging for your people. Okay, sure. So can I start? Yeah, you're good. Okay. So uh, in Nepal, you know, we have caste system. So we have like uh, uh, categories like uh, high caste, low caste, and very low caste. Um, so, but like there is a, like a, a 126, you know, um, categories uh, in uh, in Nepal. So body people are low. We call body people are lower of the low, you know. Um, so because because body people were like. Uh, you know, like a like 300 years back. You know, they were like a uh, entertainer. They were they they play music. They were like uh, dancing. The history of the body people is one that is rooted in an understanding of the caste system of Nepal. Within Nepal's caste system, the lowest societal ranking was reserved for the Dalits, and of the Dalits, the body people were the lowest of the low. Often referred to as the dust of the earth, this people group was not allowed to own land and were considered untouchable or unpure by higher castes. Despite this, the body were also once known for their role in the entertainment of royalty. The Badi were treasured for their music and dancing and often performed for kings and those in the highest castes. This incongruous reality that saw the Badi esteemed for their artistic ability and yet banned from normal societal practices because of their perception as unpure has persisted to the current day. Throughout the 1990s and early 2000s, the monarchical system of Nepal began to face intense opposition. It was eventually replaced by a democratic system in May of 2008. As the monarchy crumbled, so too did the body people fall further. With no options for work, the body were forced to beg or perform dances for food. Over time, prostitution would come to be a primary source of income for many body families. And that's a choice that really was no choice at all. Slowly, slowly, you know, the body women they 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 get started they they started realizing that okay, I think this is not enough. So when they go to the villages to ask food, and then man. You know, when they go for a dance, for like a, you know, it's we call puja, and it's a in English we call you know the worshiping god. Um, so they when they go there, and because body people, body women were so beautiful because they they entertain king. Obviously, entertain you know the king. He always they they always take care of our body girls, and they wear good clothes. They were beautiful, and so 
because of that you know so many men they 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 started you know like taking advance of body body women's and they asked like if you you know have a you know like a sex with me i'll give you a food so this is how it, it started you know then and body women's they figure out okay i think this is a good idea so we used to you know uh, sell our, ourselves with king you know and like now there is no king then it's okay to sell ourselves with other people also and this is how prostitution is start in body community so in a villages i well i was growing up i also saw that when we go to the you know market or like when we try to go to school or when we you know when we go to like a, you know like in somewhere the people they always you know like mad with us they always say like why you are here if you touch us like you know that uh, we're going to kill you those kind of word we used yeah. to hear hena can you tell me um you know as you grew up as body yes. how did this reality for the body people like really affect you do you do you remember like certain experiences that um were just like yes exactly what you're talking about in 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 terms of this this people group that once like served kings were so artistic and like creative and um were known for dance mm-hmm. are now um being being exploited um in just heartbreaking ways yeah sure so um growing up in that environment uh, in a village you know where our sister were like already sold out my friend like uh, my own friends like were like they were 9 years old you know 9 to 10 years old they were sold out in front of me like they were they were like i still remember two of my friends they were my best friend you know we used to play together like we were very small and they were they don't even handle their first period you know and and then you know suddenly one day i saw that they were like they were like wearing good clothes and i asked them like where you where are you going they were crying they were like saying we we don't want to go but their parents were so happy and then like they, like uh, you know the my friends their own sister she she was she was a brothel owner and she was she was selling them you know and then i asked like you're going with your sister and they were like yeah we're going with our sister but like you know we don't want to go and i still remember that they they were so crying and then they forced them to you know uh, they forced they put them on a, like a bus you know uh, to go to india and like that was kind of like a very very like a you know like a sad moment for me like it was kind of a, i got anxiety you know growing up in the villages is like you know obviously we prepare ourselves to go one day in a brothel for sure because there was no other dreams you know because we saw like the sisters were coming you know back to villages from brothels they were wearing good clothes they were eating good food you know and like they were looking beautiful and they were also feeding their like whole family so i still remember one one time one of my sisters you know uh, like some taxi drivers they tried to rape her and then like you know and i was so mad and then i said like okay we're going police police station and we went to police station i bring my sister and i talk to her because i was like kind of you know uh, that time i started like understanding you know that this is not a right things you know and then so i we went in a police station and i got a case and i said like i talked to police and i said um so this man tried to rape my sister he tossed you know like so badly her she, she was so small 
And then he was like, yeah, this is like really bad. I mean, uh, so we can put him in a jail, like, you know, so I, I get so excited. And he asked me and he said, like, he, what, what's your name? I said, like, so my name is, I mean, my real name is Devi Sarabadi, you know. So I said, my name is Devi Sarabadi. And then suddenly he changed. He changed and he said, like, oh, so you from that village. So why you guys are here? I said, like, some, like someone tried to rape my sister. That's why I'm here. And he said, like, you, you guys, you know, this is your job. So I think he didn't give you enough money. That's why you are here. So you want to put him in a jail? And like literally he asked me, he said like, so uh, we're not receiving your case. So just go home. So this is, I mean, very new, you know, like a story. This is 2022 now, you know, you know. So the people, they talk about, you know, like um, going to the moon, you know, like, uh, uh, I mean, they, they're talking about like, you know, I mean, science and so many things, but like now we don't even get basic human right. One child can't, you know, you know, get their like their, their basic right. Yeah, also. it's um, I I think I think you're right. Like what you said about, you know, it's 2022. There are people talking about becoming tourists to space. Yeah, and yet on our own planet. These these stories of exploitation they they didn't happen in the past and have stopped now they're still they're still happening um, and the body are are still experiencing these this like horrendous um, dehumanization. Sarah, I wonder, will you talk to me a little bit about what it was like for you to for you to encounter this information? Yeah, uh, one of for me there was a really profound it's like a reality check or a connection that happened when Hannah and I were having a conversation and she was talking about how I mean we we have a, a, a line in our book where we talk about one by one by one my friends my sisters Girls in my neighborhood, in my village, in my community were disappearing. And for me, I had this moment where I was, you know, I live in Denver, Colorado, and I was had this moment where I was thinking, man, that reality of, of literally one by one by one, what if that was not only the reality, but as Hannah talks to me and her sisters talk to me, it's not only just the reality, but it becomes acceptable and the norm. And um, yeah, across like all systems of government that, you know, I think in the West, like we take, we take for advantage this notion that like we're protected by law. um, And we can't imagine like a people group not being protected by law. Um, I mean, maybe that's not, not the full truth. Right. I mean, I think that, yeah, I definitely say that from a place of privilege, um, but yeah. Yeah, and so for me, um, I mean, there's been, geez, to kind of to use that roller coaster kind of analogy again, there there have been moments where, you know, one of the tenants, the, the, the like, the pieces that all of five of these, 
sister storytellers wanted to say was, these stories are true. Do not embellish one single thing. You only write what is true. And I kept thinking, people are not going to believe that this is not embellished. Like these stories seem so horrifying at times and so unjust and bad break after bad break. There were some moments where I was thinking, you know, we keep saying these stories are true. A hundred percent. What is the word satya? Satya, Hannah in Nepali? 100% satya is 100% true in mm. Nepali. And I kept thinking, oh, I, I um, don't really want to make the case that it's true because it's so, so sad, so heartbreaking to me that it's true. So there have been those moments, but then when I talk about the roller coaster, the rise in me of this roller coaster, this rise of hope that you led this whole conversation with Preston was also one of the tenets of, of my sisters, which was they were just wanted to say, Sarah, we want to tell these stories so that no matter how dark the day and someone that is reading our book, reading our story, that that they that we can be bearers of hope. Yeah. That that we can have had these horrendous experiences and I mean I that is not even I don't even think there's a no a, a word to describe these experiences that they have had and they kept saying but but um it is the story is never over hope is never gone and and for these young women, my, my young sisters, to, to, for me to hear the details, the gory, gritty, most evil, despicable stories of hell from their mouths, not of someone they know, but of their own experience. And then for them to say, we are going back to that darkness to, to tell that story so that we can bring light and hope to others was absolutely jaw-dropping for me yeah i think there's something that uh if i can just confess to you both right i mean i think i think i hesitate to even say that i found it shocking to read that book um one because that word fails me um it's not enough right to explain the experience of of reading that but two because i think that i I'm weary of a culture that um, consumes content for the for the sole purpose of being shocked. My hope would be that anybody who picks up the book would experience that shock because I think that can be a right and good reaction, but then would not let like the name of the body people. Um, disappear from their mind um that they would become like bearers of that message with these young women with with you hannah and your sisters um because i think it's so it's so horrendous that the world needs more people to carry it um but i wonder hannah if you might introduce us to your sisters tell us a little bit about these women whose stories you have so beautifully helped to, to capture in the book. Yes. 
<clears throat> so um, there's like a, a, I mean, we're like five sisters that we have shared our story. Without my sister's story, my story is never, you know, you know, I mean, it's not, I mean, uh, not finished that, you know? Yeah, it's not complete. So, because they are, they are connected, you know? And then, you know, so, and then I talked to my, all, all of my sister and I, they were like, yeah, sure. You know, because, you know, my sister, and there's a, like, a, you know, a name that's, a, her name is Mina, you know, that, you know, so we, we, I asked her and I said, like, is that okay to share your story? And she was like, sure, I would love to share my story because I'm safe now. I'm, I'm happy. I have peace. I live in safe place. Yeah, I um, spent much time with Mina's story and um, I know a bit about just um, from, from what you've written about what uh, occurred in her life, but I wonder if you just tell us a little bit about the circumstances of her exploitation and how she ended up in, in India. Um, if I remember, she was, she was present on GB Road, right? Yes. Yeah, can you I tell us it. just a little bit about that and like how how Mina was trafficked there and how long she was there and just a little bit yes. about her circumstance? Yes. So my sister, when my sister was, you know, um, uh, my sister was small, and so she, because you know, obviously our family was very poor, and my sister she used to go like, you know, sometimes my mother's parents play sometime in like you know like uh you know villages you know one house to another house and one day that you know uh, one of our relatives so and my sister she went you know like obviously we everyone anyone can trust you know our relatives right so and then he he take her with with him and then at the age of nine, Hannah's sister Mina was seeing the toll that it took on her parents to provide for her and her siblings with so little available for food and necessary care. So she had an idea that it might be helpful if she went to stay with her grandfather for a time. It would be one less mouth to feed at the very least. One day, a distant family relative came to the village and heard Mina discussing this plan with her mother and said, Oh, Hey, what a coincidence. I'm heading to the town of Sirket, which is very close to your grandfather's village. You can come with me and I'll, I'll take you to him. They departed together on a tractor bound for her grandfather's village, and that would be the last time that Mina would see her family for several years. With her stomach full of a traditional spicy milk chai, Mina began to get very sleepy and fell asleep on the tractor only to wake up and discover that she wasn't at her grandfather's home. She was in northern India, in the house of a strange family. She had been trafficked out of the country for the purpose of labor and sexual exploitation. Now, this would only be the beginning of Mina's experience of exploitation. She would, by means of intervention by her father, be rescued from these first traffickers in India. But the difficulty of life in their village made her vulnerable to re-exploitation and Mina eventually found herself re-trafficked on the infamous GB Road in New Delhi, India. Mina would spend 12 years on GB Road apart from her family, who all the while had wondered what had happened to her and would eventually come to search desperately for her. In fact, they were a part of her rescue team once more. I won't go into detail about her exploitation here, but will say that the experiences that Mina retells in her portion of the book are some of the most dire 
and dehumanizing accounts I've ever heard. So then we're looking for our sister, like, you know, we couldn't find her. Then finally, you know, we, we, we thought that she's died because she used to go in a jungle and we thought like maybe tiger eat her, like maybe some wild animal eat her. So we, we thought that she died, but still we're praying, you know, still we're hoping she's going to come back. If she's alive, she's going to come back someday. So, and then suddenly then, you know, after like long, you know, after like, uh, um, two or like five or six years, maybe then we figured out she's in India. So when we rescue our sister, you know, then I saw her, she, she can't even like recognize me, you know, because when she was lost, I was very small. I, you know, I was very small and, and I, I, I also couldn't recognize her. And I said, why you have so many scars in your body? And she said, like, I reject them to work, you know, and they put, that they, they, you know, put, like they cut my my body and they they put chili powder on my like uh, you know, um and my on my body and like and then I scream it was so painful and then I was ready to work because of I I feel like they're gonna give me a more pain, but the good news is you know like my sister was was rescued and now she's in a good place and she's living good life and she just she's married now she's. He gave one boy, baby boy. His his name is Davin, you know. And like, so I asked my sister, do you? So one day I asked my sister, like, do you want to do some plastic surgery for this? Uh, you know, all your scars because I think there are so many options that you can remove your scars. And my sister said, like, no, I don't want to remove my scars. Every time when I saw my scars, I remember those sisters who are in a brothel. Yeah. This is not only yeah. one story. There's there are many story of like this and like uh, so we have a five sisters story in this book and you can you can read more because this is only one sister's story and there are like more more sisters story in the book also. So Hannah, I know that um you're young, but you, um, it seems like, have just um, had your hands in so many different amazing projects and different opportunities um, where you're intentionally like lifting your culture and your country up. Um, I think I've marveled with Sarah so many times um, together um, about just um, who you are and your spirit. And I think the first time that we ever met, you told me, um, that I'm that you were interested in being the prime minister of Nepal, um, and so anytime I introduce you or talk about you to anyone, I'm always like, yeah, and she's going to be the prime minister of Nepal someday because um, I really believe it. But I want to hear a little bit about what you're up to now. Yes, sure. <clears throat> so you know, um, as I said, like uh, we were, I mean, by the people, like especially like they were not getting education. The children were like for sale, you know, we were for sale. So, and that's why I'm fighting for it. And I'm like, sometimes I feel like, why am I just only young? I'm young. I want to get older because in Nepal, like, you know, yeah, when yeah. you were young, yeah. the people, they didn't trust. They said like, you're too young to do many things, you know? So, and it feels like, okay, I have to do like uh, I have, like I said, like I have a fire in my heart that I really want to save the life. I want to help them. So that's why, you know, that um, I'm grateful to venture 
so organization in the US they are helping they helped me to open one company it's called Himalayan Entrepreneurial Resources in a shortcut it's called her <clears throat> obviously her means you know sisters right so now like my company we're we're helping them to give them like education about health and hygiene also okay, because uh, by the in a body community like they have so many health issues because they can't go hospitals you know so doctor they don't take care of them like uh, you know like nicely because obviously they are you know um big and also like they are have suffering from like a disease like a hiv many things you know and so and they don't have money to go to hospital and buy medicine and they died you know they died when they are pregnant when they, they died when they gave birth they died when they are you know you know suffering from some some disease because they can't go to the hospital that's why her company we decided to help them to yeah. in a medical sector also. yeah 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 thank you i um i was just um making a mental note to to go and google uh, Himalayan entrepreneurship resources and I found a video and so I'll make sure to share that with our community um, online yeah sure yeah so we have about five minutes left um, Sarah sure. I want to I want to throw it back to you and I just want to hear about the launch of the book and how um, how we can access it and how we can take part yes that's the fun stuff to talk about right the book that we have been working on together, Hannah, for seven years now is finally going into print. And it's by the time this podcast launches, it will be available on Amazon and on um, our, my organization called Seeds of Exchange, our website. And our passion really is to find as many uh, connections and opportunities and ways to not just sell this book to po folks and to share this book with folks, but to be able to sit in conversation with people, whether that it's in their churches or in their universities or on virtual uh, retreats or conferences that people are wanting to gather to learn about human trafficking, to learn about what we can do together. So we, we, Hannah and I would love to just open door, open invitation for folks to let us know if they have any um, communities that, that we can come in person would be the dream or, or like I said, virtually or on a phone call and just have some conversations. Um, we also, another thing that is really important to that Hannah and I have talked about over the years is, you know, to really our hope as people read these stories. It's not an easy invitation, but I believe it will, it, it will be the most transformative one. And that is to uh, read it in a way that you pause every so often to ask, you know, how does this story connect with my own? Whether it's um, maybe you're a little low on hope and, and Hannah or her sister's gives you a bit of hope or maybe there's a place of pain in your life uh, something that happened when you were, when you were younger and uh, watching how our heroic sisters navigate and tell the truth and don't go it alone they these women and their community 
inspire me all the time about how to navigate life together. And um, I think the harder life is, the more we need each other. And I, I believe that though these stories are, are really, really gut-wrenching at times, um, there is this thread of sisterhood and brotherhood and this sense of profound connection that we get. We, we have that the chance, the gift to live with as we go through our lives that, that I believe could really um, be a light in people's individual stories. Yeah, so it's in that spirit that we've had this conversation, and I'm just so excited to get to share this book as it launches into the world, No Longer Untouchable. We'll be sharing all the links to it on our social channels, on our website, here in the podcast feed, Um, but you'll just want to stay uh, tuned in to what these um, two wonderful ladies are involved with and and the story that they're helping to share. Um, So we'll be doing everything we can here at the Exodus Road to make that happen. Sarah and Hannah's book, No Longer Untouchable, a story of human trafficking, heroism, and hope, is available now on Amazon. I've linked to it in the show notes of this episode, and we'll be sharing about it on our social and blog channels at the Exodus Road in the next month as well. I've read this book, and I want to encourage you to do so as well. The body need the world to know their story. The first step to empowering change in the systems of exploitation in our world is understanding the realities of the exploited and no longer untouchable is one important way that you can begin to do just that. I also want to make you aware of the organization that Hannah founded, Himalayan Entrepreneurship Resources. HER is an empowerment initiative in Nepal that gives health, safety, and autonomy to marginalized women so that they live free from sexual exploitation and abuse. Visit venture.org slash women's empowerment to learn more. Thanks for listening to this episode of Until All Are Free. Until All Are Free is a podcast by The Exodus Road, and we're a nonprofit with a vision for a world in which humans are never bought, sold, or exploited. We disrupt the darkness of modern-day slavery by partnering with law enforcement to fight human trafficking and crime by equipping communities to protect the vulnerable, and by empowering survivors as they walk into freedom. Learn more about our work by visiting theexodusroad.com. Until All Are Free is hosted by me, Preston Goff, and the music you're about to hear was produced and generously donated by City of Sound. Thanks for listening.